بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم ریڈی رمضان ایٹی سیون پوائنٹ سیون ایف ایم پروگرام ریفلیکشنز ود یور ہوسٹ زبیر اکرم اینڈ مائی گیسٹ شیخ رضوان محمد ٹوڈے تھرسڈے تھرٹیتھ آف اپریل ٹائم جسٹ ناؤ از سیون تھرٹی نائن اینڈ افطار از گوئنگ ٹو بی ایٹ اے منٹ پاسٹ نائن آئی ہیو unlike every year um we've been following glasgow central mosque timetable but this year because there was a lot of unevenness uh in the sehri uh timings so we decided that we will go by al furqan masjid's uh timetable for sehri because we were doing sehri with them we thought we'll do iftar as well and we've just been uh notified uh i did not realize this but there is a minute difference in maghrib adhan as well uh so uh, it is valid it is here with us one of the mosques in glasgow uh, it is 901 and i presume glasgow central mosque timetable says 902 uh the both are valid both are good with some sound reasoning behind it inshallah so but we're going to be consistent with our uh, maghrib adhan by mustafur khan's timetable and that will be 901 today so it's not been incorrect what we've been doing it's just been following a different timetable this year so uh reflections assalamu alaikum sheikh alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh uh thank you once again to be with us again this uh, very fine day of ramadan Today was, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Uh, there's something about this day today. I found today a bit more energetic, a bit more... Uh, I think the, the body has now climatized to um, uh, what's in store for our body. You know, less water, less food, mm-hmm. um, less sleep. And the coping mechanism has kicked in probably. Yeah, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. I think today is um, what the sixth or seventh sixth. fast. Yeah. yeah, sixth fast. Yeah, so I think the body gen- generally does get used to um, its habits. Um, the habit creation, the creation of habits is quite an interesting thing to do. Uh, it takes time, obviously. Um, it's one of the things that we um, teach our children to create habits. So a lot of children are fasting half fasts. Um, so they're trying to get into the habit of fasting. So when the month of Ramadan comes, when they're mature, they can uh, end up fasting. For adults, they have habits such as their their, their kind of um, morning or, or afternoon uh, sequencing of events. So they have their food at a certain time and they have mm-hmm. the coffee and things like that. So all these things like caffeine, they all have an effect on how you can get used to it. Your body gets used to the change in metabolism. Um, so obviously, you know, it's a ni'mah that Allah allows us a run of a month within which we don't give up at the beginning because we find it hard we're told to continue as a community and then when we come to a week into the fast we find that it is much more um, possible for people to fast especially longer fast remember um, in Scotland we did have extremely short fast as well when we were breaking the fast around four o'clock Yeah. Uh, so these are pre- the previous years we've had some, some of the longest fasts which you know ended up going past 10 o'clock so and obviously the suhoor is much much earlier as well so I think this is just a, a, a ni'mah it's a blessing from Allah that everything balances out 
in some way over um, the Ramadan itself. Difficulty mm-hmm. goes into a habit, but also in terms of seasons, the people that were fasting short fasts are now catching up with the long fasts as well. So over the lifetime, you probably end up fasting a normal personal fast at the same amount of time than in Sui Mekatul Mokarama, for example. Interesting you say that about um, the habits. Is it something encouraged that we must have fixed? You see different types of households, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, Habit inculcating mothers and uh, kind of very um, casual routines and not fixed timings. Is it something... which is better than other? No, obviously a habit is very important. I think a habit in terms of um, doing things at certain times is very important. The prayer times punctuate the day, which create the perfect framework. And more than any other framework you can think of, of setting aside specific times and breaking down the the, the day into natural portions mm. uh, of worship. But then you have segments in between. And so that creates habit. It's like um, in, in Western society, essentially... Its, its progress was based on habit and, and, and punctuality. So what you find is, you know, for example, Sultan Abdul Hamid II, when he, when he, I think it was his 30th year on the, on, on the, the Khilafah as a Sultan of the, of the Ottomans, to mark it, he didn't have any public celebrations. What he did was he ordered the building of 30 um, tower clocks in the major se- population centers of, of 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 um, the Ottoman Empire, mm-hmm. so that people would do this thing of tawqit, which is to fix times. Okay. So he find he, he felt his his legacy at the, at the thirtieth anniversary was to inculcate this this idea of timekeeping. So the fact that you you know exactly what's happening at what time, and this in fact even in Western philosophy, Immanuel Kant he. It said about him that you could you could set your clock based upon how he when he left his house to his um, to his university. Mm. So he everything was punctual. So the, the, it was a, it was a it was a trained mind which meant to which meant, led to a trained habit. And so it's not regimented; it's just habit. Mm. I remember when I was when I was studying obviously children, it's completely becomes impossible. But uh, when I was studying, I had a very very strict time. Um, diary in terms of the day um, very strict to the to the five to five minutes usually mm. sleeping you know and be asleep within minutes of falling asleep or going to bed and waking up and all the rest of it so so the I body clock and then the sleep everything pattern. gets synced everything gets synced and the productivity of the of the mind is such that it, 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 it's exponential and so I'm a firm disbeliever in 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 kind of havoc in terms of timekeeping food log sorry food log i don't know i mean <laughs> depends what you think but i think it's just very important you have um some kind of sequencing but then again i mean some scholars like imam jawani said about him in tabaqat al-shafi'iyah that he he wouldn't have a time to eat he just ate when he was hungry yeah we had an excuse where he was like constantly working Mm. So if you have the excuse like that, then you're, you you um, that you have children or something, and you're just constantly busy. You have an excuse to just catch a a, a bite to eat whenever you can, mm. and so it's very difficult. So Imam Jawani was known for, for being the teacher, obviously, of Imam Ghazali. Um, but Imam Ghazali was all Imam Al Jawani was also known for his mastery of 
the subjects I think probably more than his, his student Al-Ghazali especially things like Aqidah um, and he said of himself he every morning he would he would delve into the the, the, the ideas of the, the people he was seeking to refute so he was seeking to refute the philosophers or the esoteric sects within Islam or any other group of people the materialists or the or the, or the sophists for example he would delve into their ideas to the point that he knew them better than they knew their ideas so that required so much effort that he would just catch you know he would just be he wouldn't sometimes notice what he was eating because he was so engrossed in what he was doing mm. and so there's exceptions to rules but rules are our religion gives us very clear rules I was thinking, I mean, it's a different topic we've started today, a different mm, conversation. Well, you started it. No. <laughs> the, the habit. Uh-huh. Uh, and having a sequence. Hmm. This is why the Prophet said that the most beloved actions to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala are those that are that are um, constant. Adwamuha wa inqal. Adwamuha is dawam. Dawam is like this, um, um, it's like this cyclic movement. Which mm-hmm. you always know is going to happen at the same time. So your your prayers and your word and your dhikr uh, and your charity is constant at a certain time, even if it's small. That constancy, punctuality, that habit mm-hmm. is what makes something really impactful. There's a term the Sufia use, uh, mamulat, mm-hmm. and they, you know they say if you have a mamul, mm-hmm. uh, you you are on the road to success. Yeah, mamul in, in, in Urdu, um, in Arabic, you call it wird. Mamulat okay. are like the, the constant small actions mm. of such as dhikr or reciting Quran that you get busy with. So it's mamul is your actions, daily actions that you do. Mm. In Arabic, that's called wird. And wird in Arabic means a, a, a place where you go for a, a drink. So it's almost as if your mamul has to be done because if you don't do it, you'll go thirsty in your spirit. If you don't do it, the dhikr that you do every day, you, your spirit will go thirsty. So if you have a ma'mul, a word, hmm. then essentially your your success in, in terms of religious life is, is in a sense in, 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 ensured because of, of the impact of something being done constantly. And this is why um, you should never leave your ma'mul, even if you don't find the sweetness of the ma'mul. Uh, people probably think I'm speaking about some kind of cake, because ma'mul is also a type of pastry. It is, I mean <laughs> <laughs> So ma'mul here I mean is, is You won't feel, feel the, the, the taste If you don't taste the, the sweetness of doing your actions um, You shouldn't leave your actions You should continue because, You should continue because Ibn al says that it may well be that you go from a situation Where you have no pleasure in the, in the ma'mul, in the word To a situation where you have pleasure in the word And this is not difficult for God mm. So the important thing is that you are in it so that it may be turned on, not that you leave. So it's yeah. like being in a queue. If you're in the queue and, and you think it's taking so long to get to the end of the queue, you leave the queue, you will never get to the, the, what you want. The fact that you're in the queue is a, an indication and a sign that you probably will get to the end of the queue and get what you want. So we're in a queue, we do our ma'mul, we do our wird, we do our fasts, and sometimes it becomes habitual, as you know, you know the fasting itself becomes a habit. But the, the idea and, and the request from Allah is that we supplicate to Him, that He makes this ma'mul, which is a habit, into something that is an opening. 
you know, a spiritual opening, a social opening, and uh, you know, kind of an opening of of of, of minds and hearts, inshallah. So uh, the mamul, mm-hmm. what we are saying. So you're going off topic, not me. I've not. <laughs> no, I think it's it's a very relevant thing, inshallah. We're going to mm. go into that. As long as I know what you're doing, I have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> no, we, we will be. I, I think we're going into the cave after this. Ma'mul. Okay, okay. We will be entering the cave. Okay, so ma'mul through ma'mul. Okay. Uh, so we have uh, a habit. We have mm. a ma'mul. Mm. Um, how important it is for us to have some kind of mamul how important is it it's um you know mamul is essentially i mean if you strip it back to what it what it means it's it's essentially quran reciting quran it is essentially having some kind of word some kind of dhikr um some kind of remembrance of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala daily and it's punctual and it is precise and I think that's what you're, you're 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 referring to. How important is it? It's you know, it's like the Prophet saying that the heart that has no Quran is like a bait uh, kharib. It's like a house which is derelict and uninhabited. The heart of a believer which has no ma'mul is like a, a it's like a habitation which is in, uninhabited. Mm-hmm. So it's a place where you should live where nobody lives. The ma'mul is the thing that gives spirit to your to your body. It's the thing that gives you sustenance in your times of need. And, and to the point that Imam Bazar mentions about um, Ibn Taymiyyah, that after Fajr prayer, the Fajr, the, 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 the Fard of the Fajr, the obligatory Fard, you can't pray after that, obviously, until Istishraq, the prayer. Imam Ibn Taymiyyah, rahimahullah, used to wait and sit after Fajr in dhikr all the way until Istishraq, when he used to pray. And he used to recite perpetually Surah Al-Fatiha. So Surah Al-Fatiha was his word constantly all through that period, which is, you know, you would talk about 40, 45 minutes sometimes. Uh, that amount of time in dhikr of Allah with the word of Al-Fatiha, which is the opening, you know, um, when his student asked him why he did it, he says it's based upon this that we have our openings. You know, based upon this moment, these moments of word of ma'mul, that we have what we produce. So the ma'mul is like a is like the petrol you put into your eco-friendly car that produces the actions and the, the product, mm. which is the blessing and the knowledge and the and the social work and the and the and, and the help for the family and society. It comes from that thing which is hidden. And so that's why everybody, you know, should be very careful of, of continuing with the ma'mul, even if it's small, um, between them and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That, that is the source of their, their kind of fuel um, in the life that they have, which is full of, uh, and which requires obviously fuel to, to sustain itself and to have you know, trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Dawam and regularity. Um, Surah Kahf is our main theme of this program and through Surah Kahf inshallah we'll be understanding the situation that we are in also uh, relating it to the life of our master Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam along with that that in the last part of this program we also look at how to find uh, a silver lining uh, within the difficulties that we see, 
how to embrace the difficulties that we are faced with and especially the time we are living in which is unprecedented so uh, coming up next is a few ayahs of surah kahf uh, of which we'll have some comments from sheikh rizwan after this recitation rahim wa inna laja'iluna ma 'alayha sa'idan juruza and verily we shall make all that is on it a bare dry soil أم حسبت أن أصحاب الكهف والرقيم كانوا من آياتنا عجبا Do you think that the people of the cave and the inscription were a wonder among our signs? إذ أوى الفتية إلى الكهف فقالوا ربنا آتنا من لدنك رحمة وهيئ لنا من أمرنا رشدا When the young men fled for refuge to the cave, they said, Our Lord, bestow on us mercy from yourself and facilitate for us our fair in the right way. فَضَرَبْنَا عَلَىٰ آذَانِهِمْ فِي الْكَهْفِ سِنِينَ عَدَدًا Therefore, we covered up their hearing in the cave for a number of years. ثُمَّ بَعَثْنَاهُمْ لِنَعْلَمَ أَيُّ الْحِزْبَيْنِ أَحْصَى لِمَا لَبِثُوا أَمَدًا Then we raised them up. that we might test which of the two parties was best at calculating the time period that they had tarried. We narrate to you, O Muhammad, their story with truth. Truly, they were young men who believed in their Lord, and we increased them in guidance. وَرَبَطْنَا عَلَىٰ قُلُوبِهِمْ إِذْ قَامُوا فَقَالُوا رَبُّنَا رَبُّ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ لَنْ نَدْعُوَ مِنْ دُونِهِ إِلَهًا لَقَدْ قُلْنَا إِذًا شَطَطًا And we made their hearts firm. And when they stood up and said, Our Lord is the Lord of the heavens and the earth. Never shall we call upon any God other than Him. If we did, we would indeed have uttered an enormity in disbelief. So, Sheikh, uh, today's ayahs, uh, they, uh, so we actually move on to the story um, of the, uh, we actually move on to the story mm-hmm. of uh, Ashab al-Kahf. Yes, in, in so, so Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, I think yesterday we talked about the main um, kind of narrative around the, around the story of, of Surat al-Kahf. Um, the details are interesting enough, the important point here is the details are not important. Um, and this is in fact the way that the Qur'an deals, I think I may have mentioned this in passing yesterday, the way the Qur'an deals with this narrative is different from the way that people expected the Qur'an to deal with it when they were, when it was asked of the Prophet ﷺ to deal with it. Hmm. So dealing with it would be how many, what happened, where, etc, etc. What the Qur'an does, and what it always does, it goes to universal ideas, the principle or hmm. the... And we must have talked about this yesterday, the manat, which is basically the, the core message of 
what this event was, why is it significant, what purpose does it have for us in terms of our life. Hmm. That's essentially what the Quran is talking about. Hudalinnas means every single story you'll see in the Quran of a previous prophet, it will not delve into the details unless it's 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 for purp- the purpose of extracting that same universal message. So even the story of Surah Yusuf is exactly the same. All the details are there and all the sequence and steps that he goes through in his life are there so that the end of it you see the the major um you know kind of you know kind of we would probably call it the the basic um you know crux of the story which is the rags to riches kind of story that you have which is mm-hmm. a deep depression of of expectations to the point that you elevate them to the point that the person is at the highest level of um, human uh, achievement and that is the p- purpose of that story this story is essentially to show you the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it's partly that it's partly to show you the fact that Allah is in control of things and will support people that are, that are in a situation of stress and distress and essentially that in the end justice will prevail and so these are the universals of this, this story which is why it's such an important um, story to, to understand because the details are not important. What's important is probably those major points. What, the most important of those, I'd imagine, to be this idea of the resurrection being true for the people that were there. But for us, it's this idea ultimately that justice and good will be repaid based upon your intention and your actions. So this is how this, this story differs from the Christian uh, reading of this. So remember, this is after the Prophet Isa alayhi which is a unique story because of that in the Quran. Because we're talking, you know, 200 years after the death of the Prophet Isa alayhi salatu wasalam, we're talking about the discovery of these people perhaps at 200 years before the Prophet was sent. Which means it's in, in, it's in you know, historically it's in recent, it's a recent histor- historical event. Yeah. And how the Quran uses it is different from how Christianity views resurrection. You know when you're resurrected in Christianity, your place in paradise is based on one thing and one thing alone. Mm-hmm. Your acceptance of Christ as, as a saviour. Mm-hmm. In other words, when God will judge you, He will see to see whether you took Jesus as your saviour. Your actions and your intentions and, and the struggles you took place are irrelevant in comparison to that. Whereas in our faith, your your entrance into paradise is based on God's mercy. Once you have faith in the basic principles, where you get to and the reward that you get is based upon your actions. Mm. And so these people, who are these seven sleepers, they were rewarded and given recompense for the simple fact that they, they stood up and they refused to uh, capitulate to the enforced idolatry that they were and their people were being forced into. So what's interesting is, uh, Quran doesn't give you any numbers. It mm-hmm. says a few young people mm-hmm. and a dog mm-hmm. uh, that followed them, mm-hmm. uh, they entered into a cave. Mm-hmm. And then what's important in this, this ayah that we, we, I would like you to maybe comment on is, they, the quality is that they said, رَبَّنَا آتِنَا مِن لَدُنْكَ رَحْمَ وَحَجِئْ لَنَا مِن أَمْرِنَا رَشَدًا Yes. Rabbana atina min ladunka rahma rahmatan wa hayy lana min amrina rashada. Yes. 
So uh, what's the, you know, the, the, the yes. So what you get emphasis at? is on this Amrina uh-huh. Rashida, even though they probably knew mm-hmm. that they are on the right path, mm-hmm. but still they're asking for this. So, something that I mean, how, how is it relevant for me mm-hmm. that this is important? Okay. Um, let's have a look at the translation. Um, yeah. When the youths took um, refuge in the cave, they said, Our Lord, grant us mercy from thy presence and make us inclined to sound judgment concerning our affair. So they're not asking for, for guidance. They're asking that they're firm. They're firm in the, what they're doing. This is not... This is not a, um, so they're, they're not in a situation where they're... They're asking for intervention. God be on their side. Is, is very interesting because... Um, it's almost as if you Hayy is like to prepare yourself or or make you inclined towards something. Mm. So it's very close to Huda, you know, guide us. Mm. Well, Hayy is actually much more active. The imp- the idea here is that we're 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 actively going to do something. And pre- allow us to prepare for this massive leap that we're going to take, which is a leap of faith, mm. of going into the cave and having to reside and not to capitulate to the oppressor. That is, you know, if you can imagine in our in our current context, if you look at the Rohingya situation, if you look at the Uyghur uh, Muslims in in in, in um, Western China, you know, in a situation where they are, their oppression is getting so intends to the point that their family structures and social structures are falling apart. That is the type of thing that once you're convinced on the truth, you're asking Allah not to guide you, but to prepare you for whatever is going to come in, in, in your face, the mm. onslaught. So it's almost as if, you, and this is why it's like, it's almost so, like so, you know so the story the, of Ajud and Ma'juj, the barrier. Mm-hmm. You know, once the barrier goes, you, you're almost imagining the other side of the barrier. You're, you're, you know the truth is that what God has given you is the truth. You, you would make the same type of dua. And allow us to prepare or incline towards something um, which would give us guidance. In other words, give us the, the possibility of that. And this is essentially what is happening here, that they know that they're going to be in very, very difficult situations. Unbearable. And their du'a and their, and their, their beseeching Allah by, by God's mercy is the means by which Allah will then make them a sign. A sign, essentially, the greatest of these signs would be that the oppressor who was seeking to oppress them did not oppress them. Mm. And they were the people that came out much later in a state of rest, you know, and the, what's what's what's... What's known behind the scenes is that the one that was enforcing the idolatry upon them is now going to be taken to task by Allah in the hereafter. The resurrection, the bodily resurrection will be of even the person that was enforcing the idolatry upon them. And so they will be resurrected based upon their their intentions and the oppressor will be resurrected upon their intentions and everybody will be given, as we say, their, their just deserts. And so that's a sign because it indicates for us that the oppressor never, in the end, is victorious. So they've taken an action. Uh-huh. They've done what they need to do. So they've, they've left the city. Now they're in a cave. Mm-hmm. And now they're saying, I've got Urdu in front of me. And it's like, Rabbana atina 
ہمیں اپنی رحمت خاص سے نواز اور ہمارا معاملہ درست کر دے اور ہمارا معاملہ درست کر دے ایز اف دے ہیر اڈاؤٹ نو ریلی نو لنا من امنی راشد بیسکلی I know that the Urdu translation gives a completely different um, slant to what I'm thinking mm. and what the Arabic Mara I think is. Yes, yeah, so that, that فَاسْتَقِمْ لَنَا أَمْرَنَا So in Arabic that would be فَاسْتَقِمْ لَنَا أَمْرَنَا Make our affair درست. Affair correct. Yes, so make, that is وَحَيِّئْ لَنَا مِنْ أَمْنِ رَشَدَ This is more of Allah give us the support to move into what will be the true path. You know, Push us towards it, incline us towards it, um, give us the the, 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 the the stamina, the psychological, spiritual stamina to face what's coming up and incline towards what is good. In this difficult point where, you know, you might incline towards something that's not good. You might incline to capitulate and accept, just to say, okay, if everyone's doing it, um, you know, it might be a, an excuse to just pretend that we're worshipping the idols or whatever it is. But to stay still and to stay like Sayyidina Bilal uh, under the stone, the rock, the, ro- the, the rock that was placed uh-huh. on his chest and say, Ahadun, Ahadun. That is exactly what the Ashab al-Kahf were doing, which is when the, this, this, this avalanche of, of, of oppression reaches us, mm. At that point, allow us to incline towards what is, is true. Because we don't know, as humans, we never know where we will capitulate and fail and give in. Mm. Do you understand? You might have in your idea the fact that you're brave and if you were in a situation like the, the Rohingya Muslims, you would remain steadfast, etc., etc. But you never know. Mm. And this is why min amrina rashada is so important. It means, oh Allah, we've, we've made that in sincere intention, but you should allow us now to give us the inclination towards what is going to give us rushd, which is, you know, good guidance and good um, choice in this affair. It's essentially what everybody asks for in, in, in any difficult situation, when you know so the situation I, will be unbearable. If there was this one powerful sultan, mm-hmm. uh, and this, uh, th- this sultan or this khalifa mm-hmm. was in, on the helm of affairs of most world powers, uh-huh. and corona happened. yes. And decision is lockdown. Mm-hmm. This is a dua to make. I, I mean, is this is, is not the dua. I'm not going to do what people do is copy and paste and say the coronavirus ki dua. No, no. <laughs> you know? no what, so what this is what you need to re- re- it's recite. It's a huge decision. No, it's a huge decision to make on a state level or on a, on a community level. Everyone's going to stay at home. Yes. We are not going to interact Okay. Most economic activity is going to go on a halt. Yes. And normal... Uh, yes, I understand. Movements. So somebody has made the decision and it was a Muslim based upon their faith as a leader. Yeah. Would this verse, would the dua be relevant? Absolutely, it would be totally relevant. Because, yeah. you, I mean, that's what I was implying for you, you, you interjected. Yeah. Which is, it's very similar to this t- the type of situation we're in now where we don't know where, what is... Post COVID, we're not sure. It's like this is when the when the the stark reality of the economic situation becomes apparent, mm. and this is actually um, 
who was it? Christopher Hedges, I think it is. He wrote a book very recently about America and its and its um and the fact that it is going into terminal decline. And he said that Trump is very much just an a, a, axiomatic symptom of that. That every state, when it goes in, or civilization, when it goes into decline, it looks for for a very strong leader to try and recover the the sense of exceptionalism and and superiority they had before that. He was basically saying the same thing. That economic deprivation in in in, in the Western world, which which will be, will probably we will see the results of that. The effect of that on societies, we don't know what it will be like, and so in expectation of how we can get out of it and the and the dire situation when we come out of it, we make something of a dua around what this dua is saying. Because well, what is it saying? O oh, oh Lord, grant us mercy from thy presence because we need the mercy at this moment more than anything else. Hmm. And also what? And make us inclined to sound judgment concerning our fears. So in this translation, sound judgment. Incline to sound judgment. Hmm. So this is this why I was talking about hayyit. Before I saw this trans- translation, hayy is um, to prepare us to move towards something. You know, it's that kind of preparation. And that essentially is a dua which is so poignant today, which is that at this moment in time, you're asking Allah to allow us to to face the difficulties of the future with His guidance rather than our own volition and choice. You know, with our own choice and volition, we will not be able to succeed. Mm. It's only with this aspect of religious, ethical thinking, that you will come to find out what is the best pathway to actually uh, move forward, inshallah. So it's the 10th uh, ayah of Surah Kahf. Rabbana atina min ladunka rahma wa lana min amrina rashada. Yes. So don't say that this is the dua of COVID. No. This is a dua which is so relevant to the era of COVID. Yes. That's how we say the Quran. Some people make a mistake and say, you know, the dua for protection against COVID. Yeah. You know, that is is not permissible to make that claim. You can say this is relevant to this. And absolutely, the Quran, Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana fi al-akhirati hasana wa qina adab al-nar. It's in the Quran, we recite it when we go into tawaf. But it's as relevant to the COVID ages as anything else. Because mm. essentially, that dua is the one the Prophet chose to do in the most. You know, blessed place on earth mm. before he passed away, Sallallahu So that the Kaaba was that place. So it's important that that is a dua that's relevant as well. So this whole story is interesting because the Quran turns us away from, you know, when I was talking yesterday about verse by verse. Mm. You know, people get infatuated by verse by verse and then lose the, the picture of what's being said. The Quran does the same thing for Surah Al Kahf, taking away the Christian um, kind of. Concern about details and geographical place and numbers to what is important about the story itself. So this, in fact, in, in Arabic rhetoric and balagha is called uslub al-hakim. Mm-hmm. Uslub al-hakim in Arabic is when somebody asks you something and you respond to the, uh, the question by not answering the question. Mm. Doesn't that make sense to you? Yeah. Doesn't that yeah. make sense to the listeners? But basically, somebody asks you a question and you give them an answer and they go away satisfied. But what you've done is you've indicated to them their question was not the right question. You've given them the right question in your answer. Yeah. You, you, you so Allah says in the Quran, Yes, Aluna ka'anil ahilla. They ask you about the new moons. 
say to the people um, they are they are they are they are they are there to set times for people well Hajj and for the religious um, pilgrimage that's the purpose of ahilla whereas they wanted to know the kind of the the kind of mechanism and the, and the supernatural you know, kind of or orbital movements etc etc Allah is saying basically just take the function of the the, the new months is to tell you the time. That's the right question. The right question is, what's the purpose of knowing the time, basically? It's to know when to go to Hajj, when to start Ramadan, when to attend a meeting that's been planned. Not to understand the metaphysical, um, you know, abstract understanding of what the, 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 the movements of the, of the celestial bodies are. That's called Usub al-Hakim. So in Surah Al-Kahf, Allah is saying this, the same thing essentially. If you're going to ask about this amazing story, we'll tell you the purpose of the story and the basic reason for it. So in this specific you know, section that we, we looked at, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that we will tell you it bilhaq. We will grant you the story and, and, and read you the story of them bilhaq, with the truth. Pointed to the towards the fact that whatever people knew about it before was awaj, crooked. Mm-hmm. This thing we were talking about, I think, a couple so of days the, ago. The, the relation with that ayah. Yes. So bilhaq is again this this the beginning of this chapter is very strong. It means we will set the record straight. Oh. And so all of this all this chapter is indicating that Allah says that they were a group of young people who believed in their Lord, and we increased them due to that in their guidance. And then what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do? They realized that they were worshipping idols. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala took them out of that. And then they separated themselves. Um, and they set, set out to worship none except Allah in the cave. And then Allah um, you know, embellished them with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy. And also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them you know, you know, kind of rifq which is ease, which is coolness, in the situation where they are actually, um, you know, they would be in a difficult situation. Mm-hmm. That they would be in a situation where um, they would feel difficult, they would find, um, you know, hardship. And Allah SWT in that situation gives them this specific um, ease. Sheikh, this ayah, right? Mm-hmm. Ayah number 15... Yeah, nah, uh, not 15, 16 maybe. Mm-hmm. 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 So verse number 13. Verse number 30, right? Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. So it's like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives some people more hidayah than others. Mm-hmm. So, uh, in this ayah it says, we had given them, we have given them more, or, 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 or a, them a developed stage of uh, hidayah. Zidnaahum. Hamne unko hidayat mein tarakki bakhshi. Yes, but look at exactly before that. Allah does not give something unless there's a reason for giving it. Yes, Allah will give with hisab. 
He will give without any 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 calculation to any whoever he pleases. But there's always what they call imarat, which are kind of signs and in- inclinations towards why God does this. And if you look at the verse itself, the clue is in the verse mm-hmm. itself. What does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says? Innahum fitiyatun. They were a young group of people. Amanu mirabbihim. Who, who they took the first step of believing in Allah, believing in their Lord. And then Allah says, وَزِدْنَاهُمْ huda." The wow here is to indicate a causality between what's before it. Mm-hmm. In other words, they were a young group of people. And youth, remember, is a time when usually this is not on the agenda. Like God and worship, mm-hmm. devotion, it's always all the other things. Allahu. It's the dunya, it's the frivolity of youth and the energy which you need to expend. Mm. You know, you young people have that. Because of the fact they're young and they've had faith and conviction in God, God says, and for this reason, zidna hum huda. We increase them in faith. Nobody gets the increase of faith as a bonus for not something you haven't done. Mm. This is what Allah says, those that strive in our past, those that strive in our past, Allah says, we will we will open up the pathways to guidance for them. So but what did they do before? They pushed to do striving and struggling towards the path of God. And based on that, Allah does what? We will definitely for sure grant them the pathways to guidance um, to Allah So this status is Kasabi It's, it's Kasabi Yes I mean this is um, You know when Allah Leads somebody astray He leads them astray Based upon their de- Decision to To be astray hmm. You know when somebody When God says That he will lead These people astray From wherever they Are un- un- unaware They've decided And God's just Helping them along The path And and clearing the paths from the the kind of um, no, there overgrowth. Is, there is environment. There is yes. your set of parents. There is where you're born. There yes. is where you happen to study, mm-hmm. and the the siblings and the the, the, the environment you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, no amount of kasab will take you to this, this status. No amount of kasab. So you you're talking about environment, um, nurture the nurture environment within which you're brought. Yeah. It restricts how many choices you have. Does it completely res- remove choice? Mm. So we have this debate. If you go into um, psychology and social sciences, they have this debate over nature and nurture. Which of them has the has the has the pivotal role in deciding a person's future? The the nature or the nurture? Nature meaning your environment, your DNA, uh, or is your nurture? The things that you acquire through your choice mm-hmm. or through in, in, through education and, and tahdeeb, we would call it. And essentially, the, the, if you look at social sciences, there's no real schools because everybody says, well, it's a bit of both. Yeah. So we're not, we're not talking about the fact that there's anything like that. What we know is that you could take the worst person with the worst, you know, what we call, um, you know, deck of cards, you know, that they've been given the worst possible start in life. You know, think of the worst possible start mm-hmm. in the worst family situation. And it was without family and the worst environment and the worst friends. Now, there is still an element of kisp or acquisition and choice within that person's life. 
but the the degree of the acquisition is small but the the potency of the acquisition is immense okay do you understand so basically if that person just thinks of a good thing in the eyes of allah that's like the person having created a civilization of good no no i get that i get so and and just to complete the metaphor yeah. if you're brought up in the best of families so the most religious etc etc and the inclination towards evil is you know that inclination will be magnified because of the the privilege you have of your upbringing yeah so that's that's the kind of context but what's important here is if you take it to you know you're talking about how did they get to this pathway of guidance because the people ashab al-kahf if you look if you speak to any a, physicist and, and a preferred status yes because it's zidna yes yeah, of course if god says if you do the things that you're asked to do you will get bonuses yes but because you've done the effort it's like i was I, my kids were having cereal this morning and then they were looking at the cereal box and it says 10000 pounds but you have to cut out something and send it away mm. now if they, they cut it out and send it away the effort they put in means they might get mm. they might get the extra money yeah but the point is they have to put the effort and why will god not add whatever he wants from his side if you do what you do from your side for example you know somebody says i'll give you know so you're you're raising money for somebody and you say i'm going to give this amount and somebody comes and they say okay i'll give all this amount since you've given it you know your child gives a little amount you'll say okay i'll give they've given 5 pounds i say i'll give 100 pounds mm-hmm. just to encourage the child and for god is the most perfect example we don't say that this is how god allah works subhanahu wa ta'ala but essentially it is exactly that you do your step and god will do what he he has 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 said he will do and essentially that's like the the hadith qudsi when when allah says that if the if the servant walks towards me i rush towards them mm. and this is exactly that but if you talk to us if you speak to a physicist this is always so interesting if you speak to a physicist about the ability for us to choose things they would say there's no choice like we are basically um before we choose we is destined what we're going to do mm. you speak to a physicist they will say everything is predetermined even you listening to me now is predetermined by everything that came up to this point so there's yeah. no free will at all in, phys- in 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 science if you stick to the rules you have to accept that there is no free will mm. and so therefore if you want to be materialist remember this chapter is about materialism i was saying in the first session that this chapter uncovers the falsity of materialism and meaning the falsity of taking everything to be just what you see in front of you if you take what's just in front of you to be the reality then you're saying that there's no there's no quality of good actions there's no quality of acquisition and there's no quality of culpability and responsibility and choice and essentially that is what you know surat al-kahf is coming to completely go against that it's saying to you that you have the ability to to make the decisions like the sahab al-kahf they had a decision to make in front of the the governor and and the emperor to decide not to obey that decision not to obey and have faith in allah meant that god gave them something they had choice mm. and essentially what the surat al-kahf is saying you have choice you have volition you have the ability to make decisions and in this society 
if you if you stick to the rules of, of materialism and scientism, you have to admit that it's not the case. So this is why it's such a fascinating uh, chapter because it shows you the fact that Allah can resurrect, God can recompense, God can increase faith. But what it requires is you make the leap of faith, you make the leap of action. So uh, reflections, uh, time just now is 8.33, just a little short break and we'll be back with our next section uh, with Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad on your program Reflections, Radio Ramadan 87.7. Sallu alayhi wa alihi. We are covering Surah Kahf and the relevance of it with our situation just now and we covered this dua Rabbana atina milladunka rahma wa hayyilana min amrina rashada as one of the relevant duas uh, for where we find ourselves in just now and how every word of Quran means something different uh, in a different stage of our life and every verse and every theme how it could be applied to our situation whichever situation we are in and Sheikh if, if I would like your comment on this that Quran and it is a book for me the person who is reading mm-hmm. and it is a book for of guidance um, and I should approach Quran to see how I should be living in the context of the stories that <coughs> Quran narrates mm-hmm. so Surah Kaf one of the stories is of these sleepers. The, one of the three main stories. Mm-hmm. We're going to cover uh, Zulkarnain and we also cover Khidr uh, story. Uh, in this story, what's the main argument? What's the, what's the bean? What's the problem mm-hmm. that these young people revolted against what's if we were to say this is one main thing they revolted against what was that mm. well the, the 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 thing they revolted against was clearly the the enforcement of idolatry so this there's not um there's not a complexity to the story from the perspective of what they're running away from what they're rebelling against what they are um seeking to rectify is clear it's it's the idolatry it's the context of remember, it's just after the the the, the period of the Prophet Isa about two hundred years later, Christianity is in disarray. They don't know who Jesus was. They've not decided who he was. They're in a situation where they're encroaching into pagan societies, which obviously worship God um, and worship idols with God, and therefore, you know, they're they're going into Hellenistic Greek society as well, which has this tendency towards Trinitarian belief anyway of mm. three types of deity. Um, and so they at this point are representative of the fact that the true teaching of the Prophet Isa was Unitarian belief in Allah, Tawheed in other words. Mm. And so why they're presented here in this story is because they stuck to the original teachings of the Prophet Isa So Part of the story is actually related to, you know, if you look at the beginning of it, it talks about the fact that it is a response to people that say that God has taken a son. And so mm-hmm. that really falls um, out of context unless you understand that the Ashab al-Kaf are actually Christian. Christian meaning from Christian era. Mm. But Muslim in terms of belief. 
you know, historically, yeah. quote unquote. And so the central thing is just that simple idea. You're pushing the idea of Tawheed in a situation where the teachings of Christ will be misunderstood to the point it will be taken to be, um, he will be taken to be, quote unquote, the son of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that is basically the central point. Now in, in resisting, they're obviously going to the point where they, their end will be determined as death. And that that jump of faith that they do is essentially why they're immortalized by the, the chapter itself. Hmm. So that, it's very simple from that perspective. But an undercurrent of that is the fact that justice will essentially be done. Because despite the fact that they were weak and oppressed, in the end it was it was them who were able to see the manifestation of the teachings of Christ um, in terms of the worship of God in the very society which had thrown them out as for being people that insisted upon Tawheed being the pathway to, to success. So for some of our younger listeners who are listening to this, mm. how important it is, mm. how important it is mm. to do this absolute act of actually going away from the society if you're not allowed to practice your faith in terms of knowing God as He is. Mm. And so that's, that's a good point. I mean, it, it's... Ashab al-Kahf is usually um, used to indicate the youthful worshipper. Now, that is to be commended and encouraged without any doubt. Yeah. Do you understand? So, um, but there's a, there's, a, there's a danger here, which is the danger of, of feeling that just because you're young and you have religious fervor, that you you have the permission and the prerogative to make this excursion from society, mm. because um, you know probably you probably know this. Um, Nineteen seventy nine, um, the 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 um, the Meccan revolt. Yeah, you know the revolt. Young people. Yeah, young people who had this fervor. Who were called the Ikhwan, so not the Ikhwan al-Muslimin. This is this is a harking back to the movement that took place in the in the, in the 18th century, um, and they were around Madinah Munawwara, and they felt that they were inspired to be much more religious and pious, even than the scholars. So they condemned the scholars, they condemned the governments, they condemned everybody but their small own group, mm. and it got to the point where Juhaymin and his um, small group. Uh, moved and and presented a person called Al-Qahtan as being the Mahdi, the, the inspired leader of the Muslims. So there's a tendency to misuse, uh, because you've asked about it in terms of young people, it's a t- there's a tendency to misuse it. Because this actually, to come to think about it, this story did have prominence in their, in their internal discussions and literature. Mm. That they were like the people of Kaf, Ashab al-Kahf. Ashab al-Kahf, that they were young and they had turned their back on the older people who were basically worshipping state structures and, the, and westernization and etc, etc. There's an extreme danger in this, which is that that impetus has to be tempered and checked on an authentic reading of our scripture and our tradition. Mm. And they will say, well, that is just old tradition. No, it's not. It's passed down from the... Imam Shafi was young when he studied and he was old when he completed the same thing. Imam Malik was young when he studied and he was old when he remained in the same thing. Abu Hanifa, Imam Ahmad, they were young when they accepted what they were teaching and they were old when they accepted the same thing. Mm-hmm. So don't give me this idea that, you know, if you're younger, 
you you have a closer access to the truth because you're not corrupted by you know hierarchy and tradition and culture and blah 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 and you have more courage and energy yeah so you you will speak the truth the reality is the old man with the gray hair you know has probably more wisdom that's probably the the bottom line mm. that's here so that's important i think this story can be co-opted and misco-opted um, to be the basis for actions that are not part of our sharia, not part of our tradition, not part of our religious um, heritage. And so for young people, what's important is the religious fervor. If it's at that point, it's blessed in the eyes of God. That's what's important. So but, but, the Prophet said that uh, one of the seven people under the shade of Allah on the day there's no shade is Shabu nasha'a fi ibadatillah in Sahih al-Bukhari. A young person who 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 sees the early years in the worship of God. Mm-hmm. So this is the fact like you have Musab ibn Umayr, you have all the young companions, Al-Abadillah, Abdullah ibn Umar, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, all these young people, Abdullah ibn Amr ibn As, they were young companions like Aisha and Hafsa, all these young, young companions, who it was their young age in which they saw the worship of God and the obedience to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this chapter, yes, it does. It, it provides an amazing example of fervor of youth on truth. You know, that mm-hmm. kind of fervor of remaining on the truth. But it has to be tempered with, in our tradition, tempered with knowledge and tempered with wisdom and te- tempered with shura, which is to um, seek counsel from people in issues. Because we're not living in a time of an, of an oppressive um, idolatrous state which is forcing us to do certain things but there are states in the world that are doing that I mentioned the Rohingya context I remember the, mentioned the Western Chinese Muslim context which is very clearly of that nature I mean if, you, I mean, if in fact the Rohingya situation is almost that but the, the Uyghur Muslim situation is exactly that mm-hmm. the forced indoctrination it's, it's well known it's not as if this is you know, the Chinese state seems to present it as a fight against extremism. It's nothing of the sort. It's their attempt to to kind of quell down a long-standing movement towards national, um, you know, self-determination. And this is their opportunity because, you know, the economic interests of China run through that state. Hmm. And so the people that have faith there are basically concentration forced. camps almost. Yes, they're con- I mean they're not anything except for um, imprisoned, occupied concentration camps. And there's no two ways of looking at it as well. And the young people in that situation are exactly as the parable of the people of the calf in that situation. Mm-hmm. Conversely, what, what I was getting at is. Just to highlight how important it is mm-hmm. to believe in one God mm-hmm. to an extent that these young people actually left the place mm-hmm. if they weren't allowed to or if they were forced to uh, mix other ideologies mm-hmm. other than believing in one God mm-hmm. and it's in its entirety. It's not just saying it, mm-hmm. but actually practicing it, yes. actually practicing Tawheed. Yes, no. The thing, the thing. I understand your question, which is how important it is for young people to take a make a break if they feel forced into something which is against Tawheed. My problem with that line of thinking is that led to very, very sure. difficult episodes in the Muslim in, in the Muslim world, 
like Jamaat Takfir al Hijra, um, Muhammad Shukri in Egypt, for example, just young people just left societies and basically ended up coming back to the cities to bomb people because they felt that they were Ashab al Kaf. Mm. So you need to check yourself, as they say, before you wreck yourself. You have to check yourself based on the Quran and Sunnah before you wreck your understanding of the Quran and Sunnah. And so I totally understand the impetus for the thought, but the lived experience of that is that there is a false sense of glory amongst young people that they and they only, only they are the people on Tawheed. Yeah, they own the narrative of, and they will define when to. Yeah, practice. so they will, they will be this, and this is why you know I was mentioning Johaimin and 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 Al Qahdan, the, the the so-called Mahdi in in nineteen seventy nine Saudi Arabia. You know when they, they my father was actually in Hajj that year. Mm. And my family extended family was in Hajj. Seventy nine. Yes, nineteen seventy nine. You know when they took over the the the, the Haram, and this was two weeks. So people who are listening, if they don't know the history, they should look at the history. They wanted the onslaught of the Saudi government army upon them so that the, the hadith of the Prophet could be realized. And at that point, an army will come and the earth will swallow them up. Hmm. So they were waiting for the response so that they'd be shown to be like the the, the people of the cave hmm. Because the miracle would happen And the miracle would be that The army would be swallowed by the earth The earth would you know, basically swallow them up The tanks would be would Just fall into the ground um, And that would indicate that the Mahdi was The person they claimed was the Mahdi So very true to the claim of Quran itself That this is a book hmm. of guidance But also hmm. a book for people Who will be deviated hmm. uh, In life hmm. Reading the same book hmm. The deviation comes. Yeah, the Quran says we, we make many people guided by it and also we make many people um, astray by it. Astray by it. It's Allah says we don't we don't make fall astray except for the fasiqun, except for the people that are in a state of fisk. So, th- so there is an element of um, there is some disease in the heart mm-hmm. that will make you feel that you are very pious. Mm-hmm. That you are following the text to the spirit and the letter, mm-hmm. and you are the vanguard of this tawhid, mm-hmm. and you take all your guidance from this book, and you, you quote the ayahs, and you still do fasad on this earth. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that's the situation. I mean, my experience of, of life with Muslims, uh, some Muslims, is that the reason for Islam is co-opting it for their own ends mm. and their own ex- understanding of religion. Religion is based upon their understanding. And it was their nurture. So the way they're brought up, what they understood, they want to make the Qur'an fit into that. And so if Tawheed is an, am- am- is an armament for them to reach their goals, they will use it. Hmm. And so essentially it's a disease. It's essentially a disease where you're trying to, you're trying to create the Qur'an into the image of what you feel is truth. Hmm. But the, you know, the story of the Ashab al-Kahf is that they've submitted... And on a very simple thing of worshipping God In a context where they're being told to worship idols That's very black and white You know, no one's going to say You know, is the application of non-Islamic law In the in the Muslim world an example of Forcing you to worship idols, for example 
mm. is the laws that are, are your, your act be, being applied in the Muslim world un-Islamic? So it becomes extremely grey. So you can't use this example to say, well, we're fighting this government because it's, it's using Islam, non-Islamic laws and we, we're Ashab al-Kahf and God will bring a miracle to save us. It doesn't work. It works if somebody is putting you in concentration camps and forcing you to eat pig mm-hmm. and forcing you to renounce your faith. That's when it works. Yeah. Do you understand? So we need to keep it as clear as it is in the text. The moment you start to use the grey and say it's black you're worshipping yourself because essentially what you're doing is you're saying I'm making this big jump in mm. understanding the Quran based upon my own subjective understanding so if you ask them you know as Imam Shafi used to say you know, tell me with, uh, based upon which book and which sunnah are you doing this mm. you know tell me you know, he would love people to explain themselves and this is essentially what I like as well. I think if somebody makes a claim on on religious grounds, yeah, you know, essentially I'm all ears. I would love to hear. I would like to sit back and listen to this uh, argument, argument yeah. or this rationale. So show me, okay, if, if this is what you think it is, if this is what you think religion is, um, please, you know, enlighten us based upon the, the Quran and Sunnah. Show us how it would happen. This is why it's so important that even you have enlightened scholarship rather than just repetition. Yes. Imam Ahmad, he was asked, if he, in fact he said, if I ever had a choice between attending the class of Imam Sufyan ibn Uyayna, who was his teacher, grand teacher, and his other grand teacher was, who was Imam Shafi'i, he said, I would never miss the class of Shafi'i. Because if I missed the class of Shafi'i, I can never catch up with what he, I'd missed that he said. Mm. In explaining something mm. Whereas if, if Sufyan ibn Ayyina Mentioned a hadith I could always catch it somewhere else Because mm. mm. basically repeating It's repeating The book It's not the wisdom It's, it's, it's the Yeah because Sufyan ibn Ayyina Rahimahullah he would, he would narrate hadith But he wouldn't give you The technical understanding And the wisdom Behind it And the application of it In the way that Shafi'i would He wouldn't bring to the table this wisdom and this knowledge of Arabic language and the wisdom of the usul that Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah had. And therefore, if you have the choice, I mean, we're not talking about um, anything big. We're saying we have the same book. We have the same source of sunnah. We have the same hadith collections. It's so amazing to watch the same scholar look at the same hadith and the same verse and read you know, read the complete opposite. Mm. That's why I always find fascinating is... You know, when somebody's saying something, explaining it, either I don't understand it that way, or I understand it differently. Sometimes it is what I never thought, and it's correct. So maybe the person is speaking, and I never thought about it. It's a mistake on my part. So it's something I completely missed, hmm. and vice versa. But the point is, that's where you keep yourself open to uh, discussion and debate and dialogue with people. Which is what you find in the Muslim world, these young people who, you know, you find them... You know, rolling their sle- their trousers up, and you know, really very f- fervent in their religion. Yeah. There's dead set on not discussing anything with anybody. No discussion. No, um, you know, sharing of ideas. No looking into the background to the other position. Not doesn't happen at all. Whereas my own teachers, what I learned from them was, they would sit and they would listen. The, op- the opponent, they would listen to the whole thing. Yeah. This is what is this was what's called emotional intelligence that you at least show the person that you're interested in what they're saying so that when you speak 
they will take interest in what you're saying. And that's why I find, you know, not in existence with a lot of young people nowadays is that they're easily taken in by propaganda, they're easily taken in by indoctrination, they're easily taken in by in the age of social media and WhatsApp and all the rest of it by messages that are basically concocted and, and fabricated and 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 um, you would say tampered. Mm. And so they have no sense of fatabayanu. You know, in the Quran it says, if a person who is in a state of um, questionable religiosity comes to you with information, فتبينو, test it, check it. But what do they do? They make the black and white and they make the job. Final, final moments of uh, reflections for today. Uh, just a reminder that we start this program every day at 7.30 uh, with Surah Kahf, uh, recitation and its commentary by Sheikh Rizwan Muhammad. Uh, just a final moment, Sheikh. Uh, just a little dua before we end this program for tonight. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we ask you to accept our du'as and our prayers and our fasts and our taraweeh. We ask Allah to allow us to see the mosque full with people praying and in and, 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 and worship of you, O oh Allah. We ask Allah to protect this land and the, the lands of the people that are listening. We pray to Allah that Allah accepts the, the actions that we do and protect the people that are ill and give them shifa, inshaAllah. Jazakallah khairas. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.